All right. Good morning, Next Step Community Church. Um, all right. Don't don't fail, don't tell the the Hope Church folk in, in Manhattan. Okay, but this is my favorite place to preach with y'all. That's our secret. Don't tell them. Um, but my wife knows it because I I get excited every time I get a chance to be with y'all. Let me ask you a question. So it, it is uh, February fourth, twenty twenty four. Man, January it felt like a long month. Anybody else? I was like, man, that felt like one year in and of itself. Um, Let me ask you a question as we get started. What is a big thing that you are asking God to do in 2024? What is a big thing that you are asking God to do in 2024? In your life? In your family? In this church? And maybe if you are a broad thinker in the world, what is a big thing that you are asking God to do this year? Everyone have some? And if it's big, the question that may come to mind is, God, I don't know if I have what it, enough for that to happen. I don't know if I have what I need. I don't know if we have what we need because it feels so big. Uh, we're looking at the book of Acts today, verse, chapter 1, verse 1 through 9, and it's the beginning of the early church, the, the, the folks that follow Jesus and that Jesus gives a charge to to become the church. And the, one of the ways I love to read the book of Acts is reading it through the lens of people who have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea. They've never done this before. They're fishermen. They're tax collectors. They didn't even know what it means to be church folks because there was no church. They're doing this for the first time. They, they have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea how to get this thing accomplished. And, and so it's through that lens, we're going to look at what Jesus told them that they were going to do in the world. Here's the mission that you all are going to have in the world. And here's the way that you're going to get it accomplished. Here's what, I'm going to give you everything you need to do my mission in the world. This is what the Word of God says. I think we're going to have it on the screen. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven and giving instructions to the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in, Ju in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. It's a reading of God's Word. Uh, when was the last time you were surprised? Like, really surprised? Like, oh, I didn't think that could happen. Okay. 
Now, now, let's ask the question, this big thing that we want God to do in 2024, what could God do this year that could surprise you? What could God do this year that could surprise you? Because, you know, you live life long enough. I got some gray hair. I'm in my 40s. Lived in New York for a minute. Not a whole lot can surprise me. And for you, you might feel that way too. Look, yo, I've been through this a couple times through. It's February 2024, but man, I've had a lot of Februaries. I've been through a lot of Januaries. There's not a whole lot that can surprise me. But listen, none of us have ever been through 2024 before. Right? This is the first time for all of us. This is the first time for any of us that we have been in February 4th, 2024. So what's going to happen today or tomorrow might surprise us. And what if we could be open to being surprised by God? What could he do? If our eyes were open to something that he might do that we did not expect or imagine, he could surprise us. I was thinking about a moment that I was surprised. Um, I was a youth pastor for a long while um, here in New York for a bit, but in California. And I got invited to come up and speak at a youth camp up in the mountains. And I was driving a, a Toyota pickup truck at the time. Drove up late at night. It was, it was, it was the first night of, of, of this camp. And I drove up and there was no lights. Okay, it was a winter camp, no lights. Um, go up this dusty road. And, and I finally found in the middle of the woods the, this, this retreat center. And there are this cabin in the back of the camp. And I drove my truck, truck up and, and I was like, okay, where am I going to park? So I backed up into a spot that I thought was a spot. Little did I know that there was a huge hole that was right there in that spot. And my truck, the back right tire, boom, goes in. Like you, I mean, like over half of the tire is in this hole. And I was like, man, I'm literally, I'm stuck get out. I'm like, oh my goodness, how am I going to do this? Um, I go out and I meet the youth leaders and, they, they, and I tell them what happened. They're like, Pastor Mike, don't worry about it. We got you. I'm going to get some boys. We're going to come back and, and, and we're going to get this thing out of, the, out of the hole. I said, thank you so much. I appreciate that. The youth leader goes back, gets some of the boys, the, some of the, the young men who are at the camp, comes back with maybe the smallest, skinniest high school boys I've ever seen in my life. I said, my man, I needed the football team. You brought me the chess team. What happened? And they were like, oh, Pastor Mike, we're so happy you're here. We're so excited to serve you. Like, we're going to get this thing out of, we're going to get, we're going to lift your truck out. So I was like, no, you're not. Are you kidding me? They're like, but they were so excited and they're young men and they're like, they want to serve and they want to help. And so I didn't want to like, you know, rain on the parade. They'll say, Pastor Mike, get in the truck, put it in neutral. We're going to lift you up and we're going to get you out of this. I was like, okay. I was like, you, you we got no, more guys over there? Like, you sure you don't want to call for some reinforcements? I was like, no, we got you. you know, young men, when they get excited, they're like, we got you. All right. I get in. Put it in neutral. I said, Lord, this is not going to work. I hear in the back, all right, you ready? One, two. They lifted me up out of the, out of the hole. These little dudes 
I'm not a big guy, I'm, but I'm so, I was looking at them. I was like, you little. <laughs> Surprised me. Had no idea these young men had it in them. And, 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 and something happened in you know, the rest of that camp, and now all of a sudden I looked at them differently because I realized they had something in them that I, didn't ha- that I had not seen before. Okay. It's, it's interesting when, when Jesus spends time with this, this ragtag group of mostly young men, teenagers, who didn't know their left from their right at times, who constantly misunderstood him, who didn't have the right education, most of them. And he's trying to tell them, hey, here's the mission that you're going to go on. You will be my witnesses. You will tell people about me and the good news of eternal life through me. Here in your neighborhood, to the country around you, and to the ends of the earth. That's what I'm going to send you out on. That's the mission. And he says to them, I'm going to give you everything you need. Here's what I'm going to give you. You ready? Each other and the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's all you need. Each other and the Holy Spirit, that's all you need to accomplish a mission. If I was one of the disciples, I'd say, are you sure? Because Jesus, look at that dude. He's not enough. Look at her. Do you know where she came from? Do you know her background? Look at us. We have no money. Because through our eyes, often what happens is that when we think about what God has called us to, we don't think we have enough. We don't think the people around us are enough. The resources are enough. There's no way we could accomplish that thing that God has called us to do with just what we got. But what if, what Jesus said, all we need to accomplish His mission is each other and the Holy Spirit? What if all that we needed to accomplish what God wanted to accomplish in us and through us and in our family and in this church and in this city was each other and the Holy Spirit? But here's the problem. The problem is, is that as these young, young disciples who are now young apostles, as these followers who are now becoming leaders, were stepping into this new season, All they knew was what they had experienced in the past. They didn't know about this new thing that God was doing. So here's the question they asked Jesus. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Because what they thought is, oh man, Jesus, the Messiah has finally come. We've been waiting for hundreds of years for this moment. Guess what? We're going to get it all back. We're going to get our kingdom back. We're going to get our authority back. Our people are no longer going to be the enslaved people, the beat down, the oppressed people. Our people are going to be in charge. Our people are going to be respected. Our people are going to be the ones that everyone comes to for stuff instead of takes stuff away from. It's going to be our time. They thought it was going to be a nationalistic movement. It was just going to be about the Jews. They thought it was going to be a political movement. They thought it was going to be a, a, 
even a military movement. Because they thought about, man, remember David? Remember Solomon? Remember the temple? Remember the, 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 the gold? Remember the, the cattle? Remember the armies? This is our time to get it all back. That's what they thought the mission was. But Jesus said the mission wasn't to get it all back. He said the mission was to give it all away. The mission is not to get it all back. The mission is to give it all away. So what happens in even the very beginning, there's sometimes there could be a confusion of the mission. And it's not good or bad because these, these, these young disciples were only operating out of what they knew. And, and when, when that happens is that your, your, your perspective gets very narrow. But this is, this is what I realized is that when, when we think about our mission and what we want and, and we lose sight of God's mission and what he wants, often we, we don't think we have enough. Often we feel scarcity. We feel anxiety. We feel like there's no way we can get this done. And again, I don't, we don't judge that because that's a very human experience. That, 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 that's a very real experience. Jesus often met with people and did not judge them for, for, for feeling need, for feeling fear. He met them where, he, where they were because he realized because out of their experience where they were in life, this is all they knew. This is, this is what they were asking for and wanting. But he wants to take us beyond that. When I, um, I was part of a, a, a group that first started um, uh, a church, the, one of the Hope Churches on the Upper West Side, and we we're gathering people. And when you're first, man, those first couple like months of gathering people to start a church, they are so fun. They're so sweet because it's, it's exciting. It's a new vision. It's a new thing that you're inviting people. So I would gather a lot of young people together, and I'd sit them in a room and feed them like halal, because that's all we could afford, all right? And, and, and so and when I'm sharing the vision about this is what, what God, wants to, God wants to do. This is who, who God wants us to become. This is what God want, may want us to do. And what I said, because I, I, I wanted to like give them like good expectations, I said, you know what? Guys, we're not going to be the biggest church in New York City, okay? There are plenty of churches that are going to be way bigger than us. We're not going to have the best music in New York City. There are plenty of world-class musicians and, and production and all that in New York. We're not going to have the, the best music. And we're not even going to have the best preaching. Because there are world-class generational preachers who are in this city that we get to listen to every week. We're not going to have the best, best facility. We're probably going to have to rent somewhere at a price that we can afford, which is not a whole lot. But guess what? We are going to become who God wants us to become and do what God wants us to do. If you can join in this with us. And there was a young man who said, hey, Pastor Mike, can, can I have breakfast with you this week? I said, absolutely. So we met for breakfast later on that week and said, you know, I've been thinking a lot about what you said and I was talking to some of my friends about it and I agree with you. And I think you're absolutely right. I said, oh, please say more. <laughs> he said, yeah, you know, I think you're right. You are not the best preacher. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs> he said, but you know what I like about that is that if you don't have to be the best, that means I don't have to be the best either. 
if you could just be who you are, I could just be who I am. And that's going to be okay. And I said, all right, you got it. That's it. So we started this church since 2017. We launched in 2018. And then a couple years go by and we're growing and things are moving. And then this little thing called the pandemic happened. And all of a sudden, we couldn't meet in person anymore. And all the, and, and all the young people, they, they, they moved away or they, they, they you know, stopped coming to church and all the things that happened in all the different communities, including this one. And I looked at who I had with me on my team. I had a couple young people, one part-time staff and then one like, intern. And I'm like, we're going to try to figure out this, this once-in-a-lifetime moment. And i got to figure out how to pivot our whole church. And i got to do it with you two? Oh, man, it's not going to be enough. And so we, just made, so we just made things up. We just made things up along the way. We're trying to figure out, okay, how do we, how do we get online? How do, we, how, do we meet our, how do we meet our people? How do we gather people? How do we provide a worship service? How do we share music? How do we share preaching? How do, share, how do we do small groups? How do we do prayer? We're just trying to figure out how to, to do this thing to be able to minister to our people so we can be who God wants us to be and do what God wants us to do. That goes on for a couple, uh, couple months. And we kind of figured some stuff out. And then all of a sudden, the mission became, how do we minister to people in this new way online better than every other church? <laughs> no, for real, I'm not even lying. So, so, you know, and I've, and I've joked with Pastor Edwin about this too, is that, you know, like they say like, man, the, the online viewership of church went up so much during the pandemic. It's because all the pastors were looking at each other's churches trying to figure out what they're doing and trying to see, okay, uh, like, what are they doing? Are we better than them? Are they better than us? And no one talked about it. We're just starting to now, but this sense of now competition started to set in. And, and the mission was, how do we serve our people, but how do we do it online in a way that might even look a little bit better than the other church over there? And so, and, and, and that's, that's what happened to me. I, I would be really, you know, happy about a service because I love the music that we're providing and all this, but I was like, oh man, did, oh man, we, 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 outdid, we got them to this week. We got them. We, we, we. Or sometimes, like, oh man, they got us, man. They, they totally outdid us. Or like, oh man, the music didn't hit. Uh, but like, man, that church, their music just is so good. Man, they had that musician, that they had that singer. She is amazing. Oh man, if we only had someone like that. And so all of a sudden, coming from a place of just like, hey God, I'm just so, so grateful. Just for the little that we're able to do as a community, all of a sudden became a competition. Because the mission became about me. The mission became about our church. There's, a, um, there's a, a theologian named David Bosch. This is what he says. He says, the mission of the church is not the recruitment to our brand of religion or, might I say, to our specific church. It is alerting people to the universal reign of God. The mission of the church... We clap it up for that. Absolutely. The mission of the church is not to get more people to come to our thing is to let as many people know as possible about the universal reign of God and what Jesus has done in my life and what he wants to do in the world. 
And, and so often we confuse that. And when we confuse it, we often think about what we don't have and what we need and what we could have. If like, oh man, if, man, if that girl Taylor Swift was leading worship for us, man, think about all the people that are going to come to our church. You know, if, if only that, that world-famous preacher were to come and be a part of our church. Man, think of how, how, what, what we could do. So we think about what we don't have and what we need and what we, but, but all Jesus said we needed to accomplish his mission to go out into the world and, and to tell the people that he's called us to tell and minister to the people he's called us to minister is each other, and say it with me, and the Holy Spirit. That's all we need. So, what does that look like for us? How do we, how do we focus on each other and the Holy Spirit? I think one of the ways, and that's, I'm, I'm going to tell you, like, one of the reasons I love coming to Next Step is not because I get to come up and speak, it's because I get to listen. And, and the, what am I celebrating and what am I sorry about? That's one of my favorite times. Because I get to learn and be with y'all. I get to hear from y'all about what God is doing in your life. And I get to appreciate what God is doing in your life. I mean, there's a sermon up here right now, but there are probably a hundred sermons out here about what God is doing. And so we start to appreciate who we have and not who we don't have. We start to say, oh, what are the resources that are available to us and not what are the resources that we're constantly complaining that we don't have? Because again, what if God's mission for us, maybe God's mission for me is to be a great husband. Maybe that's his mission. Maybe God's mission for me is to be a great son, to be a great father, to be a great neighbor, to be a, a great friend, be a great coworker, and that's the way that I'm going to alert people to the universal reign of God and that's the mission for Jesus mission from Jesus excuse me for me well if that's true praise God I'm I'm married I have kids I can do that they're right there I was stressed out a couple months ago and all the things are happening in life just seeing my finances come to the end of year, I just remember just, just being all in my scarcity mode. And I came down, sat next to my wife. I was like, I feel so alone. <laughs> and she looks at me, she's like, yo, I'm like right here. <laughs> what do you mean you feel alone? But, isn't, but, but notice how we do that. We don't think about the person right next to us. We think about all the other people that aren't there. And if the mission from God is for me to, to, to love people, and, and brother, I, I love what you said, right? To love others as God loves me. Then I get to do that whenever there's someone next to me. I get to do that whenever I, I talk to any other human in the world. And, and, and if... And listen, I, you know, the big thing that God wants to do in your life, the big thing that you want may be big. And, and I, and I want to say that, that I, I don't want to discount sometimes the, the anxiety and the fear and all that. Because it's real. But today, if God is calling us to be the church, to love God and love one another, 
then we have everything we need today. There's everything we could do today to accomplish that mission. All the other missions that might be very important, you know, we might not be able to get to, but that one we can get to today. And if that's true, then maybe that we have everything we need. Now, okay, we have each other, but the other part that I think that sometimes we miss out on is the Holy Spirit. Because that's what Jesus says. He says, we got each other, but there are a lot of each others out there in the world. You could join a lot of clubs, a lot of teams, you can get a lot of groups of people and be in a lot of places with a lot of other people. But what distinguishes the church and what distinguishes us being on mission for Jesus is that we have each other and the Holy Spirit. He says, wait here, because you can't go out there in the world with a good idea. You can't go out there in the world with um, you know, some good branding and marketing. You got to go out there in the world with the Holy Spirit. Because if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you can't accomplish the mission that I've called you to. So wait here until he comes. And they waited. And the Holy Spirit came on them and then went powerfully into the world. These, these young people who had no idea what they were doing. And there is something different when we're operating and moving from a place with the Holy Spirit. This is what Francis Chan says, who's a pastor and a speaker. The world is not moved by love or actions that are of human creation. And the church is not empowered to live differently from any other gathering of people without the Holy Spirit. But when believers live in the power of the Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. The church cannot help but be different, and the world cannot help but notice. Because in, in, the, in the early church in that time, for people of different ethnic backgrounds and different socioeconomic backgrounds to be together and say, call each other friend and family, did not happen. For that to happen, that took a move and a work of the Holy Spirit. If someone did you wrong, and for you to forgive that person, even though you have every right to hate them, for you to forgive them took a work of the Holy Spirit. For us to decide not to live for ourselves, but to live for um, each other, to live from a place of generosity, and to say, I'm going to actually take less so that others can have more, took a work of the Holy Spirit. So what would that work of the Holy Spirit look like for us today? Because here's the challenge, friends. We, got, we, we can get by without the Holy Spirit if we wanted to. And, and you're right, we can't. But we think we can. We think we can. There's a guy named A.W. Tozer. He was a writer, um, a spiritual author in the 50s. This is what he wrote in the 50s. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 90% of what they did would stop and everyone would know the difference. Wow. Now again, I do not want to disparage or criticize anything that we do today. But I want us to say, what more could we do with the Holy Spirit. More, what more could we do if we prayed and asked for God's wisdom? What more could we do if we operated from a place of, uh, of really believing that God can work in and through us, from a place of humility and love and, and, and not anxiety and fear? What more could we do? 
how could we be surprised? If we knew that that's actually what God wanted us to be all about. Learn to be on my mission, to tell people about me, because you have each other and you have the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden the game changes. The game changes. My daughter's, it just turned seven last week, okay? And she just started learning chess at school. And she is actually starting to beat me. She's good, okay? And, and so like, you know, the beginning, you know, like, you know, this is like six months ago. I'm like letting her win. I'm purposely not making moves. Now I'm like, I'm in it. I'm trying hard. Okay. And, and so, um, so it's funny cause, cause when she, um, when she like loses a game because she's seven years old, when she loses a game, she gets so upset. She won't talk to me for like one hour. Okay. And she goes to her room. I kid you not. This is what happens. She loses. She doesn't say a word. Gets up. Leaves the room. Goes in her room. Picks up a book. Starts reading it. It's called How to Beat Your Dad at Chess. <laughs> and I'm like, sweetie, you okay? She's like, I, I, not now. I'm not ready. Because <laughs> she's in her book. Now, it's, now you know, again, we'll, we laugh because she's competitive. And I wonder where she gets that from, right? Um, but I hope one day she realizes that the goal is not to win the game because that's not my goal. My goal is not to beat her at chess or have her beat me at chess. It's for us to spend time together. That's the game. That's the game that we're playing. So we don't need to be upset if someone wins or loses because that's not the game. Friends, what if the game that Jesus calls us to as we go through this world, sharing the, to the world about him, is simply to, lo- to, to enjoy playing the game with him, being with him. And sometimes we're going to win, sometimes we're going to lose. Sometimes we're going to get it right, sometimes we're going to get it wrong. But that's okay, because we're playing the game with him. We're allowing his grace to fuel us in a powerful way. There's a, a picture I wanted to show, share with you. Um, this is, a, um, um, I think it's Rembrandt, an artist, um, the artist rendition of um, Jesus and his disciples being on, in the storm on the sea. And you can see this, you know, the, the waves are coming up against them. And this is the way that, um, I think we have the Mark passage, right? That day when, G- when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat, so it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. The reason I share this with you is, again, sometimes we all feel like we're in a storm. And we feel like the waves are going to take us over and we are going to drown and we are going to die. And if you knew that Jesus was sleeping on a cushion downstairs, maybe we would respond like the disciples, like, don't you care? 
But what if instead the invitation is to believe that Jesus has everything under control? The reason he's sleeping, the reason he's calm, because he knows he has it all under control. That when it's time to come up and calm this wave down, calm this storm down, he'll do it. Because he has all the authority. He has all the power. And, And in that moment, the invitation for us is to trust that he's with us and trust that we'll be okay. Because sometimes we're with each other and it feels like a storm. Sometimes we're in our jobs and it feels like we're in a storm. Sometimes we're saying, Holy Spirit, I don't, I don't know where you are. I know you're here, but I don't feel you working here. So sometimes that picture is for us to be able to say, okay, whew, I'm in it, but Jesus is here and he's calm and, he's, and it's going to be okay. Last thing I'll end with, there's a... Um, there's a guy named Sky Jatani who writes a lot about um, so some of the uh, the critique of, of some of the ways the church gets it wrong, right? And and some of the missteps of the church. Y'all know that you know church leadership. You know sometimes people have been you know going sideways and making some bad decisions. And we've had so much over the last several years about um, leaders who have moral failings and about churches who are having troubles and and about um, financial issues and, and social issues and political issues and all these things that are like causing this upheaval in the church. And so this, this man, Sky Jatani, went to one of his mentors, um, this great professor, Dallas Willard. And, and he asked him, like, and, and they, they started talking for two hours. They talked about all the different things that were um, causing drama in the church. And this is, at the, at the, this is what he writes. He says, at the end of that final two-hour conversation, I asked him, when you look at how off-track the church is, Do you ever just throw up your hands in despair? He smiled at me and said, never. And Sky said, you just spent two hours outlining everything that's wrong. How can you not despair? And he said, I do not despair because I know that Christ is the head of the church. And the church is doing just fine. And will be just fine. I do not despair because Christ is the head of the church and he's given us each other and the Holy Spirit and we'll be just fine. Next up, Community Church. We have each other and we have the Holy Spirit and we'll be just fine.